Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. Whenever you come into the new year, there's always that sense of uh, a renewed sense of hope, if you like, and excitement um, for perhaps the year ahead. Um, And I do feel uh, particularly for this year that there is something significant um, for us as a church. Um, And it's what I want to talk to us this morning about. Um, And it's not just a sense of hope or excitement um, for this upcoming year. Actually, I feel it goes beyond that. I feel like coming into the new year, um, there is, uh, to some extent, a fresh sense of purpose and direction um, that God has got for us. And I'll unpack a little bit more um, as we go on this morning. But at the start of the year, so um, today and next week, we've essentially got two introductory sermons. Um, And um, next week, Steph will be preaching, and he'll be kicking off a new preaching series um, that will look at the person of the Holy Spirit, um, all that he has come to do, all that he um, comes to equip and empower us um, with to live life that glorify God. Um, But before I give any spoilers about what Steph's going to preach on next week, um, this morning, I have the privilege of introducing, if you like, something of the theme um, for the year ahead, Um, something of the purpose and the direction that we believe that God is calling us into um, right this first week, this first Sunday in January. And so I'm going to share something of the prophetic vision um, that we feel God's given to us um, over the years. And then we're going to look at the birth of the church, but not necessarily from um, Acts 2. Um, We're going to look at the birth of the church as it reached out beyond the Jewish nation to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, as it started to move out of the Jewish nation. um, And we'll be primarily in and around Acts um, 10, 11 um, will be kind of where we focus, although I won't necessarily have the words um, on the screen, um, but we will. um, So if you've got a Bible, you may want to flick to Acts chapter 11. Um, But before uh, I get too far, I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, we do, um, Lord, we come before you um, with tremendous reverence and humility. And Lord, we recognize that we, we are only in this room because of what you've done. Lord, many of the relationships that have been formed in this room are as a result of your work in and through us. And Lord, we don't take that for granted. Lord, you are orchestrating and designing things Lord, with your purposes and your will in mind. Lord, we are born not according to the flesh, but according to the purpose of your will. And Lord, everything we do, we want want it to line up with what you're doing. Lord, we never want to rush ahead, but Lord, we want to walk in obedience, humbly following you, step by step. Lord, we trust that as we do that, you lead us into spacious places. You lead us into goodness. Lord, you lead us into um, the fullness that you have for us. You lead us into a rich inheritance. Lord, you lead us into hope. Lord, and eventually an eternal hope, Lord, that is in you. Lord, a hope that is unperishing. Lord, a hope that is unfailing, unspoiled. Lord, that's where we set our eyes this morning. And so, Lord, right at the start of this new year, 
Lord, we look to you for guidance. We look to you for leadership. And Lord, I pray that as we open your word this morning, that Lord, you would speak to us. Lord, that you would challenge us. You would convict us. You would transform us by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So to start with the vision. So here at Rev, we have a vision that is broken into um, four parts, if you like. Um, Firstly, that we would be a church that wants to see 300 big people, spiritually mighty men and women of God raised up. That we want to be a resourcing church that releases uh, people, gifts, and ministries to the wider body of Christ. That we would serve beyond the walls of Rev. And that we would be a church that plants churches across North London, postcode by postcode. And that we would be um, a church that plants churches into the cities and nations of the world. That's what we live with. And that's what we feel God's spoken to us about. That's where we feel like we're going. That's our ultimate destination. Um, And we began to map this out back in September last year. Um, And what we did was we... um, we got um, a bunch of people in a room, um, about eight or nine people, and we sat down and we put them up on the, on the walls um, and we just began to map out and look at church activity, what's going on um, and what's ha- happening. And we noticed that there was a lot of stuff um, around three of those elements. Um, there was a lot of stuff, there was a lot of things on three of those walls. Um, and there was one wall that was, well, not completely bare, um, but it didn't have much infrastructure. It didn't have much stuff around it that was going to help us achieve that element of the vision. And that part was postcode planting. What does it look like to be a church that is planting churches across North London postcode by postcode? And I think even within that conversation, many of us felt a sense of dissatisfaction and not quite knowing where to start. Um, and um, so this word that had been given to us years ago, that God had spoken to us, um, how was that going to be fulfilled? Um, and it felt like there was a moment um, when God was just quite clearly highlighting um, something of a focus or attention um, for us. The destination of where we wanted to get to was clear, but actually how we were going to accomplish that or how we were going to begin taking steps towards that was a little bit murky. And so here at Rev, we believe God has called us to plant churches across North London, postcode by postcode. London is made up of small areas, as you probably know, um, of different postcodes. Each of those postcodes have smaller urban towns or or village centres within them. um, And each of those areas would be hubs of activity. Um, And we want to lengthen the reach of the gospel into those areas. Uh, We want to be moving into some of those unreached communities, unreached areas. And we want to be strengthening some of the relationships that already exist with churches in some of those areas. And now over the pandemic, um, big shout out to Tottenham. Yes, Tottenham are with us this morning. Um, so over the pandemic, we were privileged enough to be able to release um, a few guys out to Tottenham um, to begin exploring what this might look like. Um, and um, we're committed to supporting them. And we're committed to seeing that, that come to fruition. A church planted there as they tirelessly pursue making disciples, as they pursue seeing people saved, as they pursue the good news of Jesus impacting lives um, and transforming Tottenham for God's glory. 
And alongside this, there's also been a growing relationship in some of the conversations that we've been having um, with our dear friends at the church in Bassett Street. Um, they meet on Queen's Crescent. If you've ever been out that way, it's, it's quite a large um, estate that kind of somewhere between sort of Kentish Town um, and Chalk Farm or Belsize Park. Um, and something of a conversation with them about perhaps uh, what does this look like um, to plant postcode by postcode. And so conversations are underway about what does closer partnership look like amongst these dear brothers and sisters um, that we're meeting with. Um, and I don't just mean at a leadership level. Right? It, it can be easy to think that it's just those that are kind of making decisions or calling shots, that they're the ones that are building these relationships. Um, actually, I think when I talk about partnership, I think we're talking about partnership at every level of church culture. Um, every, every strata, if you like, within um, the life of the church. And there's lots of things that we already do together. Um, so we gather together for the prayers of many events um, that, and have done uh, in the past. We also partner um, with um, CAP, uh, our debt relief center. We also partner with Food Bank. Um, and through uh, the youth, we also uh, partner with the youth in various different contexts. Um, and I believe there will be lots more opportunities for us to do that, particularly over this coming year. And with all that being said, I do believe that God is bringing this postcode planting vision front and center for us this year. And I do believe there's something of a movement whereby um, the guys out in Tottenham, the guys at Bassett Street, are basically feeling a sense of faith to journey this together about what does postcode planting look like um, across North London? What does it look like to lengthen the reach of the gospel? What does it look like to strengthen some of those expressions into unreached communities, unreached areas, unreached um, postcodes? And so we're going um, to turn to Acts chapter um, 11. And now a little bit of background um, to our passage um, today. So um, in Acts chapter 10, which is the chapter beforehand, um, Peter uh, has basically had this vision. Um, until this point, essentially, uh, the good news of Jesus has been spread amongst the Jewish people. Um, and then in Acts chapter 10, Peter has this vision um, of a sheep being descended. And he sees, um, and he sees all sorts of unclean animals. Um, and then God speaks to him and says, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter's like, whoa, but they're unclean. I can't do that. Um, and, and, and again, the vision happens. And, it, and eventually what happens then is um, Peter comes out of this trance. Somebody comes and knocks on the door and says, will you come to Cornelius' house? He's a Gentile. He's not a Jew. Will you come to this guy's house? Now, Jews weren't allowed in Gentile houses. And Peter's like, hang on a minute. God's saying something here. And so Peter goes and he meets in Cornelius' house and he shares the good news of Jesus with them. He opens up this wonderful truth that actually all of us are born broken. All of us are born fallen. All of us are born distant from God. And actually within that state, there was no hope. We had no hope. There wasn't an ounce of, of being able to achieve anything in our own sense of, of self-worth or self-righteousness. We couldn't do anything about the current state of our heart. 
And yet Peter begins to explain that Jesus, this Jewish man, the Messiah, the culmination of Jewish history, this man, Jesus, came and he lived the perfect life and he died the perfect death and he rose again to perfect life. And as he's sharing this incredible good news, the Holy Spirit falls on them in the house and they start to get filled with the Spirit. Imagine you're, you're, you're a Jew and you, this, this message has never been shared wider than the Jewish community and all of a sudden people are starting to get it. You can imagine Peter's just like, what is going on? This is nuts. And yet we see an incredible salvation of Cornelius' whole household. And then we jump into Acts chapter 11. Basically what happens is the, 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 the church in Jerusalem, the guys in Jerusalem catch wind of what's going on. And they basically, they basically reach out to Peter and they're like, look, they're like, Peter, um, just explain what's going on because we're not sure about this. You walked with Jesus, uh, but we would just want some clarity um, about what is going on. Um, and so um, despite the fact that in Acts uh, chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said to them that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, despite the fact that Jesus has already told them that it's going beyond the Jewish nation. They're basically saying, Peter, we're not sure about this. Uh, we're not really sure uh, quite what's going on. And so in um, Acts chapter 11, um, I'm going to read a couple of verses, um, and then we'll jump down a little bit to further in um, Acts chapter 11. Um, but basically, Peter says to them, he says uh, in verse 5, he says, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. And this is Peter describing the experience that he had before he went to Cornelius' house. And notice what he says in verse 5. I was in the city of Joppa praying. You see, when we pray... Things happen. When we pray, God speaks. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. In, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and God spoke to me through a trance. He gave me this vision. And then he goes on to describe this picture of a sheet coming down. And, and, and how he goes then to the Gentiles and shares the good news. And the first point I want to draw out is that actually when we pray, God speaks. When we will prioritize prayer and prioritize space to be able to pursue God and seek his face, he speaks to us because he's committed to leading us. He's committed to directing us. He's committed us to carrying us on in this journey. And now let's turn slightly later in Acts chapter 11. So after God has spoken, um, and then um, Peter goes to Cornelius' house. Cornelius' house gets saved. Um, and then we read on um, from chapter 19. And so what's happened here is then it moves from describing Peter's experience in Cornelius' house if you like, the first recorded Gentile convert, if you like, the first non-Jew that believed in Jesus. And then it moves into verse 19. And we'll read it from verse 19. 
Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he had found him, He brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. And so what Peter has experienced in Cornelius' house is now kind of being blown out of proportion. It's now people that are traveling around the place because of the persecution that arose over Stephen. Stephen had been martyred. He was stoned to death Um, and um, now they've been basically chased out. And wherever they go, they're telling people about Jesus. And they say um, that they told, uh, speaking the word to no one except Jews, except there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists. Hellenists were just Greek-speaking Gentiles. Um, Also preaching the Lord Jesus. And so all of a sudden, this gospel message is going beyond the walls Um, of the Jewish nation. Now, in terms of geographical location, um, it can get a little bit confusing. Antioch, this city where we see this church being planted, Antioch was north of Israel. um, Somewhere it was in the region of Syria um, today. Um, But actually, it's a bit confusing because in Acts chapter 13, um, Paul and Barnabas, who are still in Antioch, in Syria, and they head out on a missionary journey, and they head off to tell people about Jesus in different cities um, and different nations. And they start chapter 13 in Antioch in Syria. They finish chapter 13 in Antioch in Pisidia, which are not the same places. (laughs) It's really confusing. But anyway, they'd go on this journey. So not to be confused, but this this city in Antioch was very different to the city um, in Pisidia. Um, And this city in Antioch in Syria um, was was, was, uh, essentially a a bastion of Roman culture. So it was was a massive trading center. Um, It was huge. It was cosmopolitan. It was buzzing. It was was really um, busy. Let me ask you a question then. So this church begins to spring up in this city of Antioch in Syria. But who planted the church? Who planted the church in Antioch? Who was the catalyst? Who was the original missionary? Who was the original core team? Who was the original um, one that kind of went and kind of carved out something and broke the ground and went for it? The reality is... We don't know. Because it, 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 it tells us that actually some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists. So who planted the church? You see, the first Gentile community of believers in Jesus, this first community of disciples in a non-Jewish context, 
And we don't even know who started it. And you see, I think, I think it's deliberate that it's almost nameless, that there isn't a name or, or there isn't um, a significant ministry or a significant person or a charismatic individual um, that has moved in or something like that. There isn't an instigator um, because actually what that means is it's just ordinary people like you and me. That actually these guys were on the run from the persecution that had sprung up from Stephen. And yet they couldn't stop talking about Jesus everywhere they went. And so everywhere they went, wherever they encountered people, they just shared Jesus with them. And then we read, actually, um, in verse 20, 21, the hand of the Lord was with them. You see, who planted the church? God did. The hand of the Lord was with them. Because see, ultimately, only God is the one who could transform hearts. And so when we think about postcode planting, and we think about North London, I'm not talking about bravado or like wishful thinking or strategic triumphalism. Like I'm talking about the power of God at work in people's hearts. I'm talking about people seeing Jesus, meeting him, encountering him, about our witness to who he is, bringing people to that point of conviction where they put their trust in him. In fact, in this passage, there are actually two people that are mentioned with significant ministries, Barnabas and Paul. But what's interesting is they're mentioned later in the passage and they're playing catch-up with what God's doing. I wonder what it might look like for God to open up new communities for us this year. What postcodes or what cities or what parts of London we might find ourselves in, just by chance. I wonder what conversations we might have with individuals. I wonder, I wonder the journey that certain people might go on. Just average people like you and me in, found themselves in Antioch, shared the good news of Jesus, and people start getting saved. As we read on, uh, we notice that actually it wasn't done in isolation. That actually um, it wasn't just um, individuals. Actually, it says that they were men. They were plural. Um, they were men um, that had been moved out, that had um, fled because of the persecution. Um, when the church in uh, Jerusalem began, that Gentiles started to get saved, what did they do? They sent Barnabas. They sent Barnabas up. Um, the report of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And so Barnabas, um, who was this guy, well, it says he was a man, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Um, they sent someone trusted. They sent someone that was seasoned. They sent someone that was mature to help them try and figure out what's going on, to try, help them try and figure out what's needed here. What is it that we've got to do? You see, they didn't send Barnabas to go and take over what God was doing. They weren't saying, great, Barnabas, you're trusted. You go and lead it. They didn't do that. We know that because Barnabas doesn't do it. Barnabas turns up, um, and what's the thing he does? Uh, I don't know whether they were too much of a, to handle for Barnabas, but the first thing he does, he goes to Tarsus to find Paul. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. 
And Saul and Paul um, are essentially the same person. He had two names. Um, Saul was his Jewish name. Paul was his um, Roman name. Um, essentially from Acts chapter 13, um, he's only ever referred to as Paul um, because Paul's ministry, as he describes himself, was one to the Gentiles. And so Paul essentially uses his Roman name because that would have been more familiar in the context that he was trying to reach people. Um, but where you read Saul, it's essentially the same person, Saul um, and Paul. And so, um, and so he draws Paul right in. He draws Saul right in um, at the beginning to help lay some foundations, to help nurture um, these new believers. Perhaps Barnabas, I'm sure he probably does, he was in Jerusalem, knows something of the call that there is on Paul um, to be an apostle to the Gentiles. That's the way he's described. And so maybe Barnabas, knowing that, then draws him right in, call and goes, well, look, we've got a whole bunch of Gentiles getting saved, putting their trust in Jesus. Paul, can you just come and help us um, as we navigate this um, together? And so Saul and Barnabas come in to support what God's doing. They come in to be a blessing. They don't come in to take over. Um, and it says that for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. And so Barnabas and Saul, who are more mature in their faith, um, are, are essentially laying these good foundations in people. And there are times when we're planting postcode by postcode where we'll need other gifts where what we have won't be enough, where we will need to draw on other gifts, other people. We'll need to partner with others. We'll need to work together because we are the body of Christ. You might think you've got it together, but you definitely don't have all the skills, right? And we need, to, we need to lean on one another. We need to trust the work that God is doing in one another to draw each other into um, that context. And so you see, this is a pivotal moment in history when the gospel burst out of the confines of the Jewish nation, if you like. And, and it started in Cornelius' house and it starts in Antioch and we see this, this, this ripple effect um, as it starts to spread out to other nations. And we read, if you read on in Acts, then um, a lot of it charts Paul's movements throughout the non-Jewish world. Um, he always seems to go to the synagogue first where he might fear, find God-fearing people, but it's never confined to that. And actually, often what he then writes subsequently or, or later in the New Testament, a lot of it is about helping reconcile some of those relationships. What does it look like to be Jew and Gentile together um, in the body of Christ? And so it started with God speaking powerfully to Peter as he was praying. And then church planting started with men and women just like you and I sharing the hope that we have in Jesus. And it started uh, by drawing in other gifts that could help cultivate, that could help nurture, that could help feed what God was doing. Um, and complementary gifts beginning to work together to lay foundations and bring to maturity um, what God was doing. And so as we begin to apply this, and as we start to look at this next year ahead, and as we look to uh, postcode planting, as we look at um, how church planting will begin, or rather how, I, how church planting will continue, 
here in North London, one of the things we're going to commit to is prayer. And we're going to pray once a month on a Sunday evening. And we're going to pray, Rev, we're going to pray Bassett Street, we're going to pray Family Church Tottenham. We're all going to get together and we're going to pray. Because when we pray, God speaks. That's why we prioritize prayer. See, if you're lacking direction, pray. If you want to know the route ahead, pray. So 28th of January is going to be the first date where we're going to gather together as churches in North London to pray. You can put it in your diaries. Don't worry, I'm not taking a register of who's looking at their phone. Put it in your diaries. 28th of January, we're going to gather and we're going to pray because we believe that God is calling us into postcode planting. But before we start taking steps, before we start taking action, we really want to check our hearts in this. And we want to do it not on our own strength. We want to do it not out of a sense of bravado. We want to do it in partnership with God. We want to do it led by God. And we trust that as we gather to pray, that he will speak to us. And we believe that he'll direct us. And he'll begin to to open doors to new communities. He'll begin to just give chance opportunities, chance encounters. He'll begin to heal the brokenhearted. He'll begin to see, he'll begin to transform people's hearts. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. It starts with prayer. We humbly come before him in prayer and seek his face. Secondly, let's make sure that we're sharing Jesus with people. We had a fantastic carol service where we had lots of visitors uh, come and join us, lots of people that don't normally attend church or wouldn't normally um, come to church. Um, follow those conversations up. Great opportunities. Let's be sharing Jesus. As we, as, we, as we go into new postcodes or as we move into new areas, as we think about what God might do or, or areas that God might be prompting in our hearts, um, let's be sharing Jesus the, the, the responsibility is on each of us. We don't have to wait for um, some specialist evangelistic ministries to come. In fact, when, when, when you look at the gift of the evangelist, it is to encourage and equip the saints for works of service. It's actually the role of the evangelist is to equip us to evangelize, to share the good news. I do agree, some people have specific grace in that, and we want to take hold of that. Which leads me on to my third point. That often we need one another, because we aren't the complete package. And so we need to work together. We need to remain united in the faith. We need to encourage one another. We need to lean into one another's gifts and recognize where our strengths and our weaknesses are that we can work together, that we can partner together, that we can draw others into it, that we don't just operate in isolation. That actually when it comes to church planting, 
we need one another. We need to remain committed to one another. And there's great strength in working in unity and in community with one another. Maybe you, maybe you, maybe you have a flexible working schedule. Um, I'm fortunate enough, whenever, for, for years, I've had a relatively flexible schedule, um, which means that I've always been able to um, prioritize certain things, particularly around church and what I feel God's calling me to, ha- has been calling me to. Um, and even, e- even now, being released for the church, um, it's a wonderful privilege. I'm able to give certain time to uh, praying and seeking God. Um, and sometimes what I do is I look at a map of North London and I think to myself, where have I not been and where can I go? And I just pick a spot and I just go. And it might be that I pray for the morning. It might be that I just do emails in a cafe for the morning. Right? It's not always impressive. But, 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 but what I'm doing is I'm, I'm training myself to think bigger. I'm training myself to think beyond just what I can see in front of me. And some of you will work from home. Some of you will have flexible um, schedules. Some of you will be remote working. Some of you are in and out of cafes all the time. Pick a cafe and a new postcode. Even better, pick a cafe and a new postcode and take somebody with you. Even if you just sit and work for the morning. And just see what God will do. Maybe spend 10 minutes praying together for the area. And see what God will do. And just as we finish, in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians, it says right at the end of our passage. Previously, um, they'd all been Jews. So everyone that put their trust in Jesus um, had been Jewish, who had turned to their Messiah. Um, But now that it's broken out of of this Jewish nation, now they kind of needed a new word for it. Um, And this Jewish-Gentile combination um, came together. And in Antioch, um, it was actually meant as a slight, like it was meant as an insult to begin with. Um, And this idea of Christians was actually means little Christs, or if you like, um, Christ followers. It was kind of a, it was a, it, it was a, an insult, really. Um, but actually, instead of being an insult, it became a badge of honor. And I wonder, after this year, as we pursue God, and as we pursue postcode planting, and as we really step into all that God has asked us to, as we pray and seek his face, as he speaks to us and leads us and directs us, as we lengthen some of those cords into unknown areas, into new communities, into new postcodes, as we reach the lost, as we break open some of those communities, as we see the kingdom of God come, as we begin to see churches planted postcode by postcode, I wonder what new names they'll give us. I wonder what they'll give us. But I think it's inspiring. I think it's inspiring to know that we have a commission from God to take this message, to be witnesses wherever we put our feet. That actually he goes with us, he sustains us, he leads us, and he will take us on. Now I don't imagine this will happen overnight. We're going to set our face to pray and seek him and be led by him and find unity in what God is saying to us 
It's not like tomorrow we're going to start 10 churches, right? But over this year, we're going to shift our focus and our attention. We've deliberately cleared the decks of some of the meetings and stuff like that that not would get in the way, but would perhaps kind of cloud some of the other stuff that we really feel God's calling us to. So would you stand with me? We're going to sing.